Hello and welcome to Duck Blind. I'm Jill Schroeder and this is our podcast from Grey Duck Gallery here in Austin, Texas. Today I'll be chatting with Andrea Miller, the Director of Public Programs and Community Engagement for the Contemporary Austin and the founder of Crick Group. For the past seven years, we have hosted the Crick Group show here at the gallery and I've invited Andrea here to talk about the program. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Jill. Thank you for having me in your yard under your huge, gorgeous pecan tree. Thanks for being here. Um, so I wanted to start out by asking you, how did the Crick Group program start? Well, the Crick Group program started in 2013 when two museums merged and became the Contemporary Austin. And there were a lot of changes, um, and it seemed like the perfect time to reach out to artists in the community and find out what they needed and wanted and what the museum might be able to offer and sort of fill in maybe some gaps in the artistic landscape. Um, and there, and this was a, a very, uh, formal evaluation process that mostly involved like, beers at Yellow Jacket Social Club, <laughs> um, but tried to get a lot of voices of people who were either running like artist collectives or artist studios. Um, and, you know, we have had the art school, which is a source of employment, you know, they hire teaching artists and we have education programs who have brought in teaching artists, but we were interested in what working artists might need. And there were a few things that, that came up, um, feedback, like critique on work, uh, new work, um, professional development, um, a way to have conversations beyond like the social chit chat that happens at openings, like more sustained conversations. Um, and I mean, I don't think anybody outright said community building, but you know, just having a, a group that you can lean on when you've got you know, a question, a big project coming up. Yeah. So having a, a, a network of support, I guess. So I sort of took those ideas and thought about what that might look like in a program and reached out to um, Andy Campbell, yep. um, the fantastic Andy Campbell, who's a teacher and a writer and a critic and a curator. Um, and we invited Sarah Bancroft to join us, um, also a curator And together with a group of, you know, eight artists, we created a program that now almost 60 artists have gone through. And it's changed a little along the way, but that, you know, those core goals have been there all along. So artists apply and how do you decide who you're going to pick for, is it like from eight to 10 artists in the group each year? Yeah, so it's an open application process, um, and artists apply, and it's a pretty standard application process with, you know, images and a CV and a statement, but it also includes a statement of why an artist wants to be in the program right now, um, because there is the expectation um, of a real commitment to the other artists in the program, 
and to a dedicated studio practice. So um, when the co-leaders and myself are looking at those, we're looking for people who maybe have a big opportunity on the horizon and they can use this to prepare for that, like a big solo show, for example. Or they might be getting ready to apply for graduate school and they're wanting to kind of test the waters of what getting feedback is like in maybe a, a supportive environment before they jump into a tougher academic um, environment. So, you know, we're looking for an artist who's poised at the right point in their career. And that really, you know, we see artists at, at very, they're at different points in their career. So people bring different levels of experience. And I think that makes for a richer group. Um, and the more variety, the better. So you have better conversations and feedback on art if you're getting it from somebody who maybe brings a view that's different than your own. And that can be from their identity or from the media they work with or the way they approach art making. You know, we we might get lots of strong photographers one year, but we don't want eight photographers in the program. Right. right. So, um, so the selection process um, is as much about picking individual artists as it is a cohesive group. And I'm really excited about how cohesive the group in 2020 um, has been. Like if, if you come see the art that seems like there's these, conversations sort of weaving through their work you can tell that they've been spending time together and having conversations Definitely. and influencing each other yeah yeah um so i know this year hasn't been um typical <laughs> but what would be a typical evening when you all get together for the program yeah so the program typically involves eight meetings that happen roughly once a month um, and they happen at the museum and we start with a meal because that's a great way to just have conversation and get to know each other and there's usually like a working topic so we approach professional development like in that more conversational way and respond to what artists want to know but um, two or three artists will have brought their work into the museum. Um, so, you know, this is new work. You know, sometimes we hope it's not wet. <laughs> and then um, we will have a conversation as a group around like what we're seeing and the artist will listen. So it's a great way for them to just get that feedback without them. They usually are not part of that conversation. Um, so it's more like the experience you have at the Great Art Gallery when the art goes out into the world and the public brings their own perspectives right, and their right. own experience and sees it um, through their eyes. You know, the artist is not there standing telling them what it means and why they made it. <laughs> um, so that's the that's the format 2020 looked very different for the imagine. crit group. Um, so we had only had two in-person meetings before the pandemic changed everyone's lives. Um, so s I think seven of the eight artists had had their first crit. Everyone gets two crits in the program. So we were really just getting started. Okay. So then we made a pivot to online um, and really... We were having 
conversations just about like how do you deal with life as it was unfolding we weren't looking at art we weren't talking about art some people were making art some people weren't making art you know my job looked radically different um so that was really like the community building side of things um i just appreciated having those those conversations um and then i'd say about three months into that summer um some of the artists were getting into their studios and were ready to have some feedback on what they were making so then we found a way to do crits in austin texas in the summer outside right yeah that's great Uh, (laughs) yes (laughs) so uh you know i want to acknowledge the commitment of the artists in the program. (laughs) Um, But I mean, there's been a whole pivot to do everything online. And I, um, in some ways I've appreciated having like so much content brought to me, but there is something to be said for having an up close in-person experience with a work of art. Oh yeah. You know, you just, yes, you notice (laughs) texture and surface and color and scale and smell, (laughs) you know, the relationship to your body. And so, um, we didn't want to diminish that experience. So we got creative about the ways that we could do crits. So we held crits, like I said, outside looking at work, um, in person. Um, you know, we had some meetings that happened online and we really extended the program out. So what usually lasts eight months. Um, will last almost a full year. Um, mm. So I want to thank you for being flexible. And that's the name of the game right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really appreciate you um, still hosting the exhibition. Um, I love hosting it. It's great. Yeah. So why do you why do you host the show every year, Jill? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm the one asking questions. (laughs) But you have a mic, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why do I? Well, you came to me one day when there was holes still on the gallery floors and we weren't open yet um, telling me about this program. And the idea of like um, working with the contemporary was very exciting to me and being exposed to possibly eight different artists that maybe I hadn't been... um, seen before or hadn't worked with before was kind of cool. Um, and it was a whole new paradigm for me because it's usually me and the artist. And this was me, eight to 10 artists, three co-leaders, a preparator, um, and then your whole staff behind that. So, um, so it's a little scary for me, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, um, you let go of some control in the situation, which, um, thanks for that, uh, because you're not involved in the selecting of the artists. So we come to you each time and are like, okay, here are the people and here's what they do. And the exhibition is really one component of the program. Right. And I think it's an important component of the program. Um, it's really exciting to see the work because it really, we try to pick things that reflect what an artist was working through while they were in the program. So it might not be what they are best known for. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it might be a new direction for them in some cases. Um, but we feel like 
it's an opportunity to support them taking risks. So I appreciate that you also um, <laughs> take a risk. You know, sometimes when we're preparing for the exhibition, like the work hasn't been made and we don't know what it's going to look like. And we won't right. know that until an artist walks in the door to hand it to you. But it's been really cool to see some of the artists that I do know change in such big and drastic ways and to see that happen at the program. So that's fantastic that that that's happened. Yeah, we have a painter um, making cyanotypes. Yeah. Yeah. Saul Jerome San Juan, um, you know, came with paintings for his first crit and then surprised us with, you know, experimental photography and cyanotypes and bottles and all kinds of materials in his second crit. Um, So we wanted to acknowledge that he was, you know, breaking out of his comfort zone and Mm -hmm. trying new things. And so um, in the exhibition, there's a reflection of both of those media. Yes. So talk more about like uh, the work you and Annette and Sterling have chosen for for this show. Yeah. So both um, the artists in the program um, and the work is selected by the co-leaders. So myself and Annette Carlozzi and Sterling Allen. And we try to really reflect what an artist is figuring out in Crit Group. Um, So, you know, so an example of that might be um, Sean Ripple came to his crits really thinking about his relationship to objects and the gallery. You know, Sean has done residencies in Target. Uh, you know, yeah. he's used Instagram is like his a media that he uses, you know, not as promotion, but actually in his art practice. Um, and in the exhibition here at Grey Deck, you will find a wall label um, with Sean's name on it that will direct you to a website with his work. Um, because we ultimately felt like it would have been f- forced to have, to, to make Sean work within the convention of a gallery and, and put an object. He made objects that we really liked, that we had good conversations about, but we thought it was more interesting to have this to have an interactive website where it's a video that people can contribute to it. Sean is going to be changing it all throughout the month of the exhibition. And then he was really thinking about his relationship to audience and the barriers that he puts in front of audiences. And right now the barriers that everyone has with audiences. So there will be a screening of the final version of the film um, in December at AFS in a cinema that is closed to the public. Right. (laughs) But available online. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another example of, you know, thinking about how when we curated the exhibition, uh, we wanted to reflect what an artist was thinking about in the program is Lydia Garcia, you know, is deeply fascinated by materials. She's collecting things like the pecan shells that are at our feet, you know, oak galls, um, berries from local plants, uh, copper, black beans. Um, you know, it's as much like grocery list as it is art supply list. And then she's, um, investing time and her curiosity into creating natural pigments and really watching how these things change. Um, and so for her, the goal was never in the program, a fixed object. And it became clearer, uh, you know, she was making 
great work on paper, um, but she was as interested in the dynamic nature of this material. So she's having kind of a studio residency in your gallery <laughs> uh, where she's picked up a lot of her materials and, and set them up in an artistic display. I've been in her studio. It's maybe not quite as tidy as, <laughs> as what's here, but very tidy. Um, and then she's going to come in once a week and she is going to continue experimenting and, and, you know, making these changes with her materials and, and painting. Um, and there'll be an accumulation of objects that she makes, but it's really about the process. So we wanted to display the process. So yeah, there's, there's all different, um, artists in the show do you think of like any threads that run through i mean i'm i guess i'm thinking of maybe a couple like front section back section of the gallery yeah. well i mean you said threads and i don't know <laughs> if that was an intended pun um but you know out of eight artists we have three artists who are working in textiles right i don't know i think two out of the three maybe have it applied very clearly in that direction. Um, and they're working in really different ways. Um, you know, two, Alexander Robinson and Rocky Jane Desai, um, are using textiles to think about identity and family. I mean, they're coming, um, from two very different perspectives, you know, one from, uh, an immigrant perspective, one from a military background, and the results are, are quite different aesthetically. Mm -hmm. Um, but that I think looks great together. Um, Alexander Robinson, is thinking about her family's history um, through through flags. You know, she has been using coded sort of pageantry and symbols, um, you know, things like semaphore or even Morse code. Um, and she's looking at more of a biological code um, in her own family. Um, There's a great soft sculpture um, on the floor um, that's just a really mysterious object um you know it's titled after that mythical snake that is eating its own tail right and opposite from that is a brightly colored installation um, by rocky jane desai and she's actually using materials from her family um you know this is her mothers and grandmothers saris and it was such a potent experience in her second crit to see her bring this material that it was clear um had been around a long time that was you know worn and in some cases torn um and she created kind of a an architecture a little bit of a uh, an alleyway or a clothesline, um, these spaces in mm. these rooms um, that you can move through. And, you know, it's a, a joy in the exhibition. And it was the first time we saw it that you can see people inside of the piece. Um, and that kind of feels like a, a memory, the way things are gauzy yes. and a little um, veiled there. Um, so it's interesting how both of them are working with color and fabric and thinking about their identity and their family histories. You know, the result is, is quite different. Their perspectives that they're coming from are, right, are quite different. But, you know, their work is in conversation and, and they were in conversation in the Crit Group program. 
Uh, Annie Arnold is also working in textiles with humor and embroidery and kind of merit badges, um, thinking more about our... Um, or maybe our narcissism and the way we try to live our lives on on social media, which has felt like particularly resonant as everybody has retreated and they're living their lives not on public, but right. you know, I uh, feel like I question my my use of social media after my studio visit with her. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Saul Jerome is also interested yes. in yeah in social media uh, as a way to reflect sort of your. Uh, your lifestyle or your brand um, and, and Sean um, really thinking about social media, maybe from like the darker side of how it's manipulating us. Um, you know, sort of another common theme that I think runs through the exhibition is a reflection on this particular moment. Um, you know, you can really feel the impact of um, the black lives matter movement. Um, people really, confronting their own position there, um, thinking about identity, and then also um, imagining, you know, a future um, and reflecting on what things might look beyond this moment. You know, I've got in my line of sight, Mike Stevens sort of futuristic um, galaxy photograph, this sort of portal into another dimension. Um, so, I mean, one of the reasons that I've so much enjoyed the communion of artists over this year is um, they're so good at imagining futures, um, and I'm really ready for a future. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I think we only didn't talk about Cheyenne um, in oh, the group. Yeah, yeah. And I feel as far as reflection of the culture and... And hopefully where we can go from here is reflected in her work. Yeah. I mean, looking at Cheyenne Weaver's installation of um, bricks and ceramics and signs, um, I mean, there is a humor on the face of it, sort of like a cartoony aspect or a color that I think it really like brings you right up close. Mm-hmm. Um, and these like familiar cartoonish forms. Um, but looking closer, you can see you know, protest, like that really reads like a crowd in protest, like we saw, you know, so much this summer in support of Black Lives Matter. You're also, if you read the title of the work, Shan's thinking about characteristics of white supremacy. So her own position um, to, you know, this revolution for racial justice and, you know, her role um, in this. And I think that's been um, just really powerfully reflected there. Yes. Um, and then there's also, um, you know, a connection to the body um, in terms of lungs and the sign that says free air, just thinking about the environment that we are living in, um, you know, the the threat from the pandemic, but also just an environmental threat more generally. Um and I really um, am drawn to the the found bricks. You know, she, like so many people, sort of took to at the outdoors to find a break from so many things and mm-hmm. was collecting um, bricks from a, a creek when she was sort of on her daily walks. Um, and that brick is such a powerful object in terms of, you know, it can be 
a weapon, you can build, you know, a wall, you can build a bridge. Um, so that tension between destruction and creation um, hmm. is there too. So before we wrap up, are there any program notes or, or things that we didn't cover um, that you want to mention? Well, I mean, I want to congratulate these artists and really any artist who's listening um, for continuing to be creative um, despite so many obstacles. I mean, I know, you know, this program had its setback. I know that your schedule had its setback. Like every, yeah. everyone in the arts has seen everything be canceled and changed and, you know, money go away and all of those things. So I think just I want to really applaud artists for sticking with sticking with the program, sticking with making. I think that what they have to say is more important now than ever. Um, you know, I'm really valuing the opportunity to see art in person. So yes. I want to tell people um, to come see it in person, <laughs> um, that you can have the gallery to yourself <laughs> and make an appointment. Um, and just having that one-on-one -on -one experience with a work of art and getting to hear what an artist has to say about this moment is just such a gift. So like, give yourself that gift. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I do um, want to encourage people to hear from the artists themselves. It would have been so fun to do this podcast with all of the them. two co-leaders <laughs> and the eight artists. Um, and normally we would have had a talk where we would have packed the gallery um, with, you know, curious listeners and each artist would have talked about their work. Um, but instead, they've all made really cool short videos. So you can see them in the process of making um, and you get to hear their perspective about what they've made for the exhibition, what they were figuring out in the program. And uh, yeah, they're just really great. They're on um, your website. They're on yep. the Contemporary Austin's website. Yes. Um, so check those out. Yeah. And they're on the big medium, right? That's a, there's a link. Yeah. The big yeah. They're part of the Austin tour studio also. tour. Yes. Well, I want to thank you, Andrea, for um, doing this little podcast with us. Um, the exhibit, um, Crick Group 2020, will run November 14th through December 13th by appointment. I would also like to thank Scott David Gordon for producing the show and the Black Drum Set for letting us use their song, A Dangerous Drive, for the intro. Thanks so much.